1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the
2: best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy.
1: Congressman Jordan, good morning, sir. How are you?
2: I'm fine, Bob. Hope, uh, hope you had a good weekend. Good to be yeah,
1: did indeed. Thank you. and uh, And I appreciate that. So, Congressman, it was a busy week before that weekend. Uh, you finally got a yeah. chance to sit down with David Weiss. We previewed it last Monday. Let's post-view it or review it now. Uh, what did you learn from the David Weiss testimony that is of use to you?
2: Well, in, in a big picture sense, he confirmed everything the whistleblowers told us. In fact, every we've, we've now deposed seven different individuals who are part of the David, uh, uh, who were part of the Hunter Biden investigation, and they've all uh, confirmed what Mr. Shapley, and Mr. Ziegler told us. So, uh, which it wasn't a surprise, because we knew those guys were were, were honest, and, and their testimony has, has stood up. Second, uh, David Weiss was asked directly, did you ever request special attorney status in the course of your investigation? And he said yes, in the spring of 2022. So, uh, that, that goes contrary to what the Justice Department has been telling us. He was not given special counsel, special attorney status until August of this year, and but all along, he maintained that he had full authority to bring charges wherever he wanted. But he did it because when he was when he was when he requested that status, it was right before he went to the U.S. Attorney in the District of Columbia and asked him to partner in the prosecution of Hunter Biden. And the U.S. Attorney in D.C. said no. So I think that timing is significant. So he can't say that oh he had the authority to determine when, where, and whether to file charges when in fact he didn't, and, it, and he in and his testimony uh, indicated that. So those are sort of the biggest takeaways. And then finally, I would just say this. It's been a five-year investigation, which again confirms what Mr. Shapley and Mr. Ziegler said, which is that, that they, they drug their feet on this investigation the entire time, which has certainly been the case.
1: With the intention of letting the statute of limitations expire?
2: For the key years. Now, he wouldn't get into those things because, you know, he volunteered to come talk to us uh, in an interview um, with, the, with the scope of the, uh, the, the questions being on his authority. But we, did, we tried to get into that, and he, he just refused to answer those questions. Those are be things that we're going we're gonna to determine later. But uh, by taking that long and allow it, he allowed the statute of limitations lapse uh, expire for years 2014, 2015. And, of course, those are the years Hunter Biden had this huge tax liability from the income he received from the Ukrainian energy company, Burisma. And we believe that David Weiss didn't want to get into that because Burisma takes you right to the White House, right to Joe Biden, who, as we all remember, uh, was involved in firing the prosecutor who was looking into the executives at Burisma uh, back when he was vice president.
1: So so procedurally, and I apologize for my lack of knowledge about this, I mean, why can't you ask him those things if he agrees to an interview? Why does he get to dictate the terms of the things it'll answer from sitting members of the United States House of Representatives?
2: Well, well, well it's, it, that was the agreement that we reached. Now, remember, there's never been a sitting special counsel ever come testify in front of Congress. They wanted to, though. This time, the Justice Department, because of the the differing stories that Mr. Weiss and Merrick Garland had told the Congress this summer. If you remember, I brought this up during the hearing uh, in the Oversight Committee. David Weiss wrote me two letters in July, then, or excuse me, in June, and then he wrote a letter to Lindsey Graham in July, and he said three different things in those three letters. And so we made that an issue, and I think they were trying to clarify all that. I don't think they did. I think they just further confirmed that. The story has – they've maintained he had ultimate authority to bring charges wherever he went, but in fact, he didn't. Um, but they wanted to try to clear that up, so they took the unprecedented step of having a special counsel. Remember, he was named special counsel this August, yeah. even though he asked for it a year and a half ago. Uh, he was named special counsel this, this August um, and uh, was willing to come talk to us about his authority, which was the kind of the key element, a key issue that we had raised concerns about uh, over, the, over the summer.
1: So, since you say correctly that there has never been a special counsel come testify before Congress, does that mean that was the last bite you get, or can you subpoena him for more?
2: No, we could go. We could go more. And frankly, if it seems to me, if in fact uh, we put together articles of impeachment and move forward with that, then then we may need to talk to Mr. Weiss again. We'll have to see. Um, right now, we, we've got a number of people in that broader investigation that were. We've sent uh, subpoenas to James Biden, Hunter Biden. Eric Sherwin is, is one of Hunter Biden's partners. We're, we're, we're going to uh, subpoena Mr. Morris, uh, uh, who was the guy who paid his taxes. Some of the people who dealt with and purchased Hunter Biden's parts uh, we need to talk to uh, and some of his other business partners. So there's several people we need to bring in for interviews and or depositions, depending on if they come voluntarily or not, uh, here over the next month and a half. And then I think we make a decision, uh, based on all the facts we've gathered, whether there's going to be actual articles of impeachment against the President of the United States, and we move forward with that uh, next year. That'll be driven by the
3: facts. um... What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact.
1: Among that list of individuals you're talking about subpoenaing that you'd like to talk to, I didn't hear the name Tony Bobulinski. He was the guy who came forward yeah. immediately when the laptop was discovered and then, of course, buried. How come he's not a major player in this and talking no, he will about be. what he knows?
2: No, he will He will be, too. He will be, too. That's a name that's been out yeah. there, but you, you're right. He will be, too. That's someone we're going to talk to. Uh, okay. And, and Kevin Morris, you mentioned,
1: you, you mentioned Kevin Morris. He's the guy who paid Hunter Biden's taxes. You want him. Yeah. Will this he, be a huge...
2: Of course, we want to talk to that guy. Yeah, he, he will be subpoenaed as well.
1: Okay. Um, now you mentioned the impeachment inquiry uh, and and whether or not we get to impeachment articles. What's the timetable look like there?
2: I think I think those individuals we just talked about uh, will sit for depositions uh, and and or interview, depending again if they, if they come voluntarily or not. Uh, this this November and December this this calendar year, and then I think. We make a decision, and and so if in fact we decide to move forward with articles of impeachment, I I see that as happening in January and February next year.
1: Um, do you have the support of the speaker on that?
2: Uh, I, he has been clear about being driven by the facts. Now I know there was some story out this week, but but uh, Speaker Johnson's indicated that was not accurate how that was reported. So um, uh, I, I think it'll totally driven by the. I think it be yeah. I think it'll be totally driven by the facts. And of course, as, as you know, and we've talked about before, uh, Speaker Johnson was a member of our committee, a good member of our committee and a and a very skilled lawyer um, that I I, I I believe Mike when he tells us when he says that you know he'll be driven by the facts and we'll make a decision based on those facts.
1: is there a risk Congressman Jordan, um, of generating any kind of sympathy? support for biden if he's impeached so close to his re-election in the re-election year kind of like we're seeing you know president trump even joked about it before his fourth indictment and said all he need is one more to clinch the nomination because every time <laughs> every time he gets hit with something you know it, it angers more people for the way it's being done yeah. and they come and support him is there any concern about that you know they're trying to impeach a guy who's up for re-election why don't you just let the people decide whether he should be impeached come november
2: I mean, fair question, but, but I, I guess I don't—I'm not driven by the politics one way or the other. I, I think that's not our job. Our job is to be—you be, um, know, our actions to be driven and dictated by the facts. And the facts right now are compelling, I think, very compelling, particularly when you think about Burisma. And I, I, I know we talked before. I think this story is, is, is as old as the hills. It's a politician is taking certain actions that benefit his family financially— And then there's an attempt to sweep it under the rug. And that's exactly what happened in my judgment, specifically, uh, particularly about the the issue of Hunter Biden being on the board of Burisma, this Ukrainian energy company, and the actions Joe Biden took with our tax dollars, threatened our tax dollars saying, we're not going to give any kind of aid that's already been approved. We're not going to give that unless you take certain actions, Ukraine. And they did. That was uh, the very thing his son asked him to do as a, as a member of that, uh, of the board of that Ukrainian energy company. And then of course, there's the five-year investigation where they try to do the sweetheart deal where they let the statute of implementation lapse for the years that deal with the burisma income. I think that is as clear as it gets. Uh, and then you, you layer on top of that um, what happened with the China money, with Russian money, and this $200,000 check, and this $40,000 check that, that Chairman Comer's committee has uncovered. And I think that's a story that the American people can say. They were selling access to the brand. Um, That is clearly what was going on. I think that's all pretty compelling, but we want to make sure we get all the facts, put it all down, and make sure that that's the direction we want to go.
1: Regarding circling back to that list of names, and the most important of which I think is probably Hunter Biden, you said he's been subpoenaed, and you're looking at sometime this month or next month before the end of the calendar year for all of those guys. Is there any chance he defies the subpoena, and what happens if he does?
2: Um he decides not to come he yeah he fights yeah. it well exactly. abby lowell his, you know he's got abby lowell a, a well-known lawyer as his defense counsel um and he has said that he i think the statement was that that his client looks forward to telling his story at the right time now i don't know what that means but i think he probably comes in at some point like you know you got these facts out there you got the WhatsApp message you got the 10 percent for the big guy uh emails you got all these this information out there I think at some point he has to come in and answer questions just like his just like Devin Archer did back in the summer his partner so uh, I expect those individuals to come uh, to come in and, and respond uh, to the subpoena.
1: Okay, I hope so, because, I mean, uh, for goodness sakes, we've been watching this whole thing build for so long now. He needs to answer so many questions, and I'm just wondering if he, you know, is afraid of burying himself, and he won't just stand there and say fifth, 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 and just not say anything, because, of course, Well, he, could, of he
2: now you always have that right. I, mean, he can I know. Come in,
1: I'm just wondering uh, if he you think he'll and, actually and answer, answer questions or not.
2: Um. I mean, he went on ABC News and said the reason he got the, the position on Burisma was because of his last name. So, I mean, he's willing to say that on ABC News. I, I, I mean, who knows? And that's a question that, that he, him and him and his council uh, you know, he and his council will decide. But um, and if he wants to exercise his Fifth Amendment rights, he has every right as an American citizen uh, under our Constitution, our, the greatest Constitution ever, to, to, to take those rights. But um, we'll just have to wait and
1: see. Let's talk money. Last week I asked you about a CR and whether or not you would support another continuing resolution after the last one essentially was the final straw that broke the back of Kevin McCarthy. And you said, yeah, you would support a new CR so that we can get into next year and then start working on appropriations." Speaker Johnson announced some kind of two-step CR. What does that look
2: like? Well, I, I'm not exactly sure yet. We're, we're just getting that. We got a meeting with uh, with the speaker tonight. Uh, he's actually uh, visiting with a group of us uh, this evening, uh, and we'll, we'll get a better better handle. What I indicated I was supporting of, uh, supporting of uh, uh, was, and I campaigned on this when I ran for the job, is a long-term CR that would allow the 1% cut to kick in if we don't do our job. Uh, so, But that long-term CR had to be something past past April 30th for that, for that cut to kick in. So that's what I, that's what I campaigned on for the job. Um, there was, there was a handful of folks in the conference who didn't want that. I think that was largely, largely why I, I didn't get the job, but, um, so we'll see, uh, what, what Mike has proposed is a shorter term to, to part one that two weeks apart. I think one of them is January 19th. The other was February 2nd. So we're going to, we're going to see, um, how that all works out. Um, I have some some concerns about it, but uh, I want to I want to be in fairness to to Mike, I want to talk to the speaker tonight uh, with a group of my uh, colleagues.
1: Okay, um, so let me let me pivot to national security, and this is both domestic and foreign. Uh, issues. Um, there are pro-Palestinian rallies still happening all over this country, hundreds of thousands and all over the world, hundreds of thousands yeah. in Paris. They were in Brussels. They were in Barcelona. They were all over the place to continue to be all over the place here. Meanwhile, just saw this number this morning. Uh, Anti-Semitic violent crimes have risen 388% since October 7th. Remember Israelis uh-huh. Jews were the victims on October 7th and yet somehow in, in in less than a month's time or about a month's time they are the enemy. They're the ones who are are bearing the brunt of the of the violence and there is more and more of a push not just for pro Palestinian causes but literally they're pivoting to pro Hamas. Um That's how do, how, yeah. how how do you as a as a, as a legislator how do you react when you see the the population of this country and polls going so and worldwide going so decidedly against our ally, the only functioning democracy in the Middle East of
2: Israel? No, it's it's uh, it's scary to see. Um, you know, Israel is our dearest and closest ally. This 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 terrible rise in anti Semitic uh, activity is just just as wrong as wrong can be. So. I think we got to continue to speak out for it. We got to continue to say we're going to help Israel. Uh, I, I think I've shared with you early on, right after this this attack happened on October seventh. A couple days later, I spoke with former ambassador, uh, a great guy. He was one of the key architects of the Abraham Accords, working in the Trump administration. And I remember talking to him. He says, "Well, what's going to happen, Jim?" He says, "In a few weeks, there will be a push to to tell us to you know a ceasefire for a ceasefire." He says. We're going to have to have the time, the space, and the resources to do the job right, to, to go get these evil terrorists and kill them. And, uh, and, and he's 100 percent right. And what we have to do as lawmakers is say, we're, we don't – these crazy protests that are happening, we're going to, we're going to stick with Israel and, and, and make sure we give them the support they need to go do the job. And that's – we just got to stay focused on the objective, which is stopping this evil group Hamas. From, uh, from doing this and going and killing the people who did these terrible things to our
3: Jewish friends. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact.
1: Congressman, now let's talk about the domestic side of the security. Um, I'm going to play a short clip here for you. It's just about 12 seconds, and I want you to listen to it, and then I want you to tell me who you think it is. My dad! And it only grew in strength from there. They're screaming Biden, Biden, Biden. Tell okay, me, what you what think that might be?
2: I I don't know. I was having, I wasn't even sure it was Biden until you told me that. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't know. Was it? Uh, I assume it's maybe some. If they're, if they're cheering for Joe Biden, it's got to be some left wing group. But I, but I don't well,
1: know. Well, the reason I brought it up <clears throat> is because it's not just a bunch of you know Joe Biden supporters in 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 the United States. You don't see those hardly anywhere. This is a massive caravan of military age males. Filmed uh, outside of Huixla, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Mexico, five days ago on November 8th, a massive caravan. And I'm looking at this as I watch this video for children and I'm looking for women and I see almost exclusively military-aged males. They're outside of the border in Mexico chanting for their hero, the one who is allowing them to come in, Congressman. Yeah. Um, so I, I use that to ask you what that tells you about the state of our homeland security and the uh, the, uh, uh, well, the uh, impeachment articles introduced or at least proposed by MTG for the uh, the uh, secretary of that uh, of that
2: agency. Yeah. It, it just underscores how how pathetic this administration has been on on well, frankly, not on every issue, but certainly on the border. You know, I, I've said I've said many times before we went from a secure border to no border. And there's no other way to say it. There is no border. People coming, coming across All kinds of bad people. If you just look at that, those on the terrorist watch, and it just, you just, just graph it out from when Trump, it was real, real, real low, and then boom, the spike happens under Biden. I think it's 160 already this year. So um, it, it is, it is that serious. And you couple that with what FBI Director Ray said a couple weeks ago, which is like. He thinks there's, there is that some some bad people are going to be in quote inspired by Hamas these these evil people to do evil things here and you 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 marry that with the situation on our border and that's how serious the concern is for the security of of, of our country and American citizens so but it doesn't seem to matter to these guys they just keep going and I think I shared this of the millions who've come across we asked this question multiple times finally they gave us an answer after months. Of the millions who have come across, how many have been adjudicated since Joe Biden took office? Since January 20th, 2021, since Joe Biden took office, the millions have come across how many have been adjudicated and actually removed from the country. And it's been 6000 That's it. (laughs) So everyone's just being – they're just being released all across the country, so much so that even Democrat elected officials are saying, time out. This has got to stop. And frankly, this is probably something that should be on the CR, something we propose – Eight weeks ago, and there were there were people who said, no, we can't do any type of CR, even with something on the border on it that this is the position I was advocating for. Um, so this is, I think, will be something uh, to, to kind of come full circle, uh, Bob, something we'll talk to the speaker about this evening.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? That little video that I just played the audio portion of for you should be on television and it should be in President Trump's campaign and play it round the clock for crying out loud. Because this is literally these are foreign nationals, again, military age males thanking Joe Biden for allowing them into the country as they work their way across. It's simply uh, reprehensible and And, it is so dangerous for all
2: of us. And, Bob, remember, it started on day one. Day one, Joe Biden announced. We will stop building the wall. Yep. We will no longer have remain in Mexico, and you will be released into the country. That's all you need to say. When, when he said those three things, it's like that just sent a message to the entire world. America's open. There is no border. And that's exactly what's happened. That's exactly right.
1: Uh, super quick. Uh, anybody that we need to look for testifying before judiciary oversight this week?
2: Not this week, um, not, not in G shirts but there'll be a focus on this, the spending issue this week, but we will continue to be uh, doing depositions. And the report we released, released a couple weeks ago on on attacks on free speech, unbelievable, unbelievable. And if, if you've if you got nothing better to do, I would encourage your audience to get that report and just look at what they were doing to censor conservatives. I mean, even CISA as part of the, the – in the Homeland Security, Department of Homeland Security, they were involved in censoring the very guy they're supposed to work for, President Trump. Think about that. His own government was involved in censoring the president. That's how I mean, undermining the very guy they're supposed to be working for. Um, this is how bad it was. Uh, so, if, if when when you got nothing better to do, take a look at that report. We that's put out yeah, that's a huge story. Yeah, that's a huge
1: report. Yep. Maybe we'll maybe we'll have another, have you on again. We'll talk solely about that because it is that big. Congressman Jordan, thank you for the time you put into this each and every week. We appreciate it, sir. We'll talk to you soon.